You're listening to the Down the Pub podcast, Canada's premier football show. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. has played for Turkey United, played in Belgium. He supports the Toffees. Played for Calvary FC. He's the coach's brother. Ladies and gentlemen, the management and bar staff of the Down the Pub podcast are pleased to announce Jay Wielden. has it been to, to kind of stay focused because obviously your last competitive game was back in October or something like that like it has it been hard to stay focused it's tough yeah it's it's already quite a, a big gap um, you know I think the final was on early November November 2nd so that being our last kind of competitive game we had one pre-season game against um, Calgary Foothills on the 20 team which was just kind of a get back in and, and, and get 45 minutes under our belt um, okay. So it's been a it's been a long time, and I think the timing of this we, we, was unfortunate for the league um, and and for us as players because I know players from other teams are in the same boat and they're just dying to get back out onto the field. Uh, did you win that game? Yeah, yeah. If we lost, I wouldn't have mentioned it because I I coached you twenty. So if we'd have lost it, I'd have never have heard the last of it. So we have to win. <laughs> so um, I'm sure you've been asked this like loads of times even today in fact but uh, what's it like being managed by your brother um, and how do you handle that situation do you know what um, it's been over in the last couple of years so I've, I've got used to it um, when I moved here in my kind of early to mid 20s I, I semi-retired from, from the game because there wasn't there wasn't much going on over it at the time and Tommy and, and Fertils in particular they were they were massive in creating the PDL franchise that, that Fertil's had and that kind of dragged me out again I wanted to play at a decent competitive level and having played with him for numerous years I, I can see the changes he, he, he's made over the last certainly few years going into the professional game and I've enjoyed it in honesty and, and, and we've been quite successful which always helps because if we weren't then questions would have been asked I know that So did you uh, did you become disillusioned with the game back in England? Yeah, I played in. I played abroad a little bit as well um, in Belgium, and you get to an age where you know if you're not playing at a professional level. So I was, I was getting to my mid twenties at that time. You got to start thinking about what you want to do with your life, and, and an opportunity arose over here, and I took it. And the sacrifice was, well, you know, not playing at a decent level in terms of my soccer, but the PDL came at a good time for me. So how hard was it to 
kind of get back into it? Like, obviously, you said you hadn't played for a while. Like, was it hard to get yourself back motivated and back uh, fighting fit and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, it was originally um, because I wasn't in the, you know, when, you, when you're when out even for a year injured, you come back not in the shape you were. And I'd had 18 months out of the game, close to two years. So it was tough at the time. What did benefit me is is playing as a defender because it, I think it had been tougher if I was a midfielder or a, or a striker because I've never been the quickest, but I've been quite, you know, I'm quite intelligent in terms of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Einstein, uh, Chris. <laughs> Chris, where you go, bud? <laughs> That's awesome. I'm kind of on theme uh, with Anthony's question about your brother. Um, in terms of your professional relationship, was that something that developed prior to joining the Foothills, or was that kind of a gamble going in, and you guys have been able to make that work as brothers professionally? Um, no, we had a we had a solid relationship uh prior to that we we worked together at Calgary Foothills with him being a TD and I was just starting my kind of growth at the club um okay. which I'm still at right now in in terms of my coaching um so yeah we we developed a, a great understanding along with um Leon Hapgood as well who, who we'd known each other for years so we've always kind of gone through it together um PDL up so our relationships kind of blossomed in that sense and I think we fit you know we think the same which always helps so Sometimes I can be utilized as that coach on the field. Influentially speaking, do do you coach like him? Because he's, a, he's one of the standout coaches I found in, in not just the, the Canadian Premier League, but all of North America with his mannerisms. And we always used to joke that Tommy's like having the 12th guy on the field. So uh, do you look up to him in any sense or, or are you trying to kind of cut your own path with your coaching? Absolutely. You know, uh, it's no secret he's, he's been successful, right? And brother or not, he's he's someone that you can look up to for what he's done and what he's built. I think the his work speaks for itself. He builds things from the ground up. Um, he's not just a coach, right? He's a, he's a, he's a clear leader. So, you know, in, in that world, he's, he's some, someone I certainly look up to. Um, I feel like, you know, we've got differences in terms of coaching, but you want people around you who think differently. You don't just want the yes man, right? Um, you know, I, I want to get to to a decent level in terms of my coaching. It's it's no hidden agenda that you know that's something I want to pursue and I want to coach at a professional level. You know, and I do feel I've got um, some good qualities that you know that 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 can go to that level. So during the pandemic, have you kind of looked into any, uh, I guess, paperwork, uh, diplomas, any kind of coaching courses or anything to kind of advance that, if you will, or have you just kind of been focused on getting back into playing shape and or, or have you been able to do both? Well, um, I've, I've mainly been focused in terms of my playing. The next diploma that, that would be for me would be the pro license. So I've got all the way up to my A license already. Oh, good um, for you. Okay. Yeah. So that would be the next one would be, would be the pro license. I was on my A license two years ago, which was in Vancouver. And we had a lot of uh, the TFC staff, the Whitecap staff on there. And guys like Terry Dunfield and people like that were on it. So some good Canadian you know, coaches and players were on the course. So, yeah, I think my next phase would be the the pro license, which, you know, I think something that's in the works for Canada soccer, um, which would be for coaches that are in the professional game. So that would be kind of my next, my next layers. Would the club help you out with that in any sense? I mean, I know you're with Foothills with the under 20s, but you said you want to get to that top level and, and obviously count Cavalries that step up and even furthermore, MLS and then back to Europe, just levels to coaching. Um, is it something that you've talked to the club about maybe two, three, four years? I mean, you're still young in your football career, but you're also still, you've got five, six, seven years left if you play at that top shape. So is it something that 
the club could maybe help you out with? Have you had that discussion with them? Or is it kind of something that you have to individually endure? Yeah, Foothills, uh, Foothills have uh, obviously my, my work. They've been great. They've supported me through my A license in, in 2018. Um, you know, they, 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 they want the best, right? You, you, I don't know how much you know about Foothills, but they're yeah. a growing club and they're probably one of the best that are not considered professional in the country, if not the best. Um, you know, and they were a big part of Cavalry's success. Um, and I, I'm kind of the bridge between Foothills and Cavalry. I play for Cavalry, but I coach for Foothills. And essentially, my job is to, you know, get myself replaced by the young and upcoming crop, right? Yeah. And that's something that, you know, I've got to try and do with the under-20 squad. Guys like Arabin Peppel and, and Victor Latore, who were signed last year, they were yep. from RU20 group. When you started with Calvary, um, did your brother uh, tell you, you know what, I want you to play, like you, you, you're 31, you're 30, like you have enough experience, I want you to be the leader and command that defensive line. Uh, was that uh, that discussion with your brother, uh, besides being a player, did he want to, to have a particular role in the locker room with Calvary? Yeah, absolutely. He leans a lot on, you know, his experience and, and leadership group, um, which would be your likes of uh, Mason Traffords, Nick Ledgerwoods, um, even Elijah Adekubis, who, who's one of our captains, Dominic Tours. Uh, so he, he does lean on certain players for some advice. He, you know, certainly if he's mixing it up tactically, um, you know, I'll use the Whitecaps away game as an example. There was a lot of uh, crucial decisions in terms of his tactics going into that game. And he would lean a lot on some players uh, to see what their thoughts are on the field. He's very open to that. Um, but yeah, he does, he does try and get some advice and he's very open-minded with that. Um, it's not a dictatorship where his way goes. He, he wants an influence from his players and as long as it's in a respectful manner then I, I think it's a great mix that's great and you were talking about licenses and being a coach like how do you see yourself as a coach because I know having Tommy as your brother and being that influence of Cal uh, Calgary Foothills and Calgary FC has a particular style of playing um, and also a particular a particular like style of coaching so what do you want I know you have that influence uh, being part of those rosters but do, do you as a coach do you see yourself like developing your own style or having you know that influence in you when you become a coach I think yeah you have to develop your own your own style we came through different systems as, as coaches I coached in Belgium as well um, when I when I played out there so you kind of learn different things um, you know I have my style but in, in in turn it's got a link into our professional structure so if players you know in, in Calgary their their first port of call would be cavalry so you know they've got to be along the lines tactically technic technically of what Tommy wants as a player and what Leon wants as a player with the USL team so I've got to have the same sort of ideas and the same similar philosophy but as a coach yeah we, we're all different um, and I think that's a that's a good thing but most importantly we can work together and And with Martin as well, he brings in that different aspect um, from what myself, Leon and Tommy may not have had with being Canadian, knowing the Canadian game. And he also has a different, you know, eye for the game, which is which has mm -hmm. been a great kind of mix. Yeah, um, as you mentioned there, you played a, a few years in Belgium. Um, a lot of English lads don't make that kind of move. Uh, how did the move happen for you? And how was it like adapting to a new culture at such a young age? <laughs> Do you know what? It was uh, it was fairly tough. There was a couple of American lads there. Um, actually, it was a 
couple of Canadian lads that were in the under 21 system at the time. Um, so there's a few Canadians. So in terms of like the language, it helped because I was living with them. Uh, but it came about just, I was at Torquay United um, and, and I was, uh, I'd been told in, in March that I was getting released. So, you know, at League Two at the time, you're thinking, oh, who am I going to sign for? In the southwest of England, as you know, you might know, especially Anthony, there's not much around, right, in terms of clubs. So uh, it was an old, you know, president of, of Torquay um, kind of contacted and said, do you want to come out and, and, and have a look and see what it's about? And just took the leap, went out there in the summer, played a couple of games, played well, um, got offered a contract and, you know, I ended up being there for two and a half years and, and learned the language, which was, uh, which was always a positive, but I wouldn't change it. It was a brilliant experience. And, you know, the only, the only downside was, was the way it kind of ended. Um, I'd have liked something different, but, uh, you know, I enjoyed my time out there. So uh, what, what do you mean about like how it ended? Like what, what happened? Do we don't want me asking? Uh, well, the club, doesn't exist really anymore. Um, at the sort of bit of administration, um, I think there was a. I don't know what what went on behind the scenes, to be honest. And we got promoted twice, and we were in the third division at the time, which was a really good level of play. Um, and and yeah, the, I would have liked to have gone on because I think we had the ability to get into the second division, and I think it would have been one of them, a bit like your Bournemouth did in England, where they went from and Swansea, where they went up. I think we had the ability to do that. And, you know, I'd have liked to have seen us get over the line and, and maybe even challenge for the first division. But it just ended a bit uh, on a sour note considering all the work that went in. And since we all left, um, local players came in and I think they dissolved and they've, they've kind of revamped and had to start in like the ninth division. So it's a shame. It's a shame. So was it your wages that bankrupt them? Yeah, I asked for too much money, right? <laughs> you know, that's why I play for my brother, right? <laughs> so, oh, so, so you said that you were you were coaching in Belgium. Like, how did that come about? And like, what level were you coaching? Uh, standard Liège. So it, it came Jesus. about. Um, Jesus, good for you, brother. Yeah, it wasn't any anything high. It was just within there on the tens and and things yeah. like that. And as part of learning the language, I, I thought it was. Uh, I knew somebody that was there. Um, and I just said, can I come in and shadow and get to know the structure a little bit? And I just ended up assisting a, a younger team and running a couple of sessions and kind of kept me kind of going in the coaching world, but also coaching in a different language. Oh, it's, it's not easy, um, especially if you're trying to get your point across and you don't know the words, it can be tough. So did you learn like a lot of like kind of hand signals? Hand signals, yeah, <laughs> passionate, pointing, a lot of pointing. So you over there. <laughs> so, uh, no, it was. It wasn't. Honestly, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't easy at all. But you know, again, it was. It was being at a professional club. And since I've moved here, I've been back a couple of times. I've actually sent a couple of our young players over there just for some training and and things like that. And I've kept a good relationship with with, with Standard Liège. And if you see the players that have come through that academy, um, especially my age group, actually, it was like Fellaini, Defoe, Witzel. They're playing at top clubs still. So. It's uh, it's a great youth system. Um, I think Benteke, Batshuayi, all these guys came through that that club at that time. So it was a special, a special time to be at the club actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's amazing. So are you, are you saying that you helped create a lot of these players? Is that is that what you're trying to to tell us here that you're responsible for all the 
great players that would come through standard Liège. <laughs> ah, yeah, you know, famous, you know, if it wasn't for me, he wouldn't be where he's at today, right? But I, know, I never coached them. They were my age group in terms of players. So they were in the first team at the time I was there. And it was brilliant to watch all these young Belgians that were coming through. De Bruyne at another club and Lukaku at 16 was in the first team. It was, it was frightening. Jesus. So, um, obviously, you made a move to Canada then. So, how different is life in Calgary compared to uh, Plymouth and Torquay? <laughs> yeah, uh, massively massively different. But honestly, I was expecting it to be colder. I was pleasantly surprised. It's cold in stages, three or four days at a time. But I've I loved the move. I, I wouldn't, you know, I don't see myself going back. I, I really like Calgary. Um would I move to another Canadian city potentially? Um, but right now I'm settled, and you know I've, I've, I, there's a lot here that you know with cavalry and foothills that you're invested in, and it's exciting to to kind of keep you here. Is that like a cry for help to Halifax? Do you know what I loved Halifax <laughs> when I went there? <laughs> you know what? Halifax was one of my favourite away trips. Even though it was so long to get there, it was one of my favourite away trips, hands down. Like it was a brilliant place. Yeah, it's great. Like the, the crowd is is amazing, and even for like some of the away players we've talked to, that everybody kind of comments on how awesome it is. Um, oh, so now that we're talking about uh, Halifax, uh, what what do you think about the grounds? Like, because we're talking to Nico uh, the other day, and he was saying that when they were on the plane, just you know, coming back, coming to Halifax, they were thinking, "Oh, I can't wait to go to see the warm up because you know you can feel the crowd." Uh, what's your idea on those? Like, what do you think about the Wonders Grounds, the crowd, the the whole experience? Um, obviously, other than playing at home, it was my favourite ground to play at. Um, what helped was we had good results there. It was a tough place to go for a lot of teams. We had we had some good results and played quite well there. <laughs> um, but I thought the crowd were as close to you know a European stadium as you can get. The the fan base was was superb. They give you a I had a lot of stick when I was there. Um, you know, the crowd would be saying a lot of things about me, which was great. It's probably Anthony. To be fair. <laughs> so, you know, I, I love that. Um, you know, I get it at Forge as well uh, in terms of the crowd and, and the things that, you know, they shout. I, I thrive off it. And Halifax was brilliant. I even clapped the fans at the end. Honestly, it was one of the best, if not the best, I would say the best other than our own, because I've got to say that. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, Halifax was probably the, my favorite place to play. That's great. And okay. take, taking it to, to, you know, like Halifax and now going back to Calvary. Um, I know everybody asks you this question about like, how does it feel? You know, you guys were in the finals and Forge, et cetera. Um, I know like every club wants to win the 2020. Uh, that's that's a fact. Like you know, everybody wants to win. You guys were the runners up. You guys dominated the whole season, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. My question to you is: I know you guys have to win, and you guys will try to win, etc. But what what we should expect for Calgary for next year? I know we know you guys how you play. I know that that quality of players that you guys have. But what what different element should we expect from Calgary? for 2020? Um, you know, I think we'll be more exciting. I think we've got more, uh, we signed a lot more attacking players this, this off season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think we'll be more electric, electric going forward. If that's the word that um, is right. Um, you know, we, 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 we were disappointed the way it ended last year. Congratulations to Forge. They won it, but 
we felt being the best team in the season, we didn't get any reward. Um, mm -hmm. and I, we felt for 28 games being the best team, there should have been some recognition. We knew the structure going into it, so it's no excuse. But to give a league title off two games and not give anything to the best mm -hmm. team over 28 games, mm -hmm. I felt was a bit... Uh, was, we felt a little bit wronged in that sense. Not the final, Forge deserved to win, but we felt wronged in the fact that we didn't get anything during the season. So I think we'll be hungry this year. Um, yeah. If you look at our PDL record, a lot of the lads uh, played for Foothills when we lost the PDL final in 2016 and we won it in 2018. So we'll have the fire in our bellies to, to get back and we're always going to be there or thereabouts. Um, we don't accept mediocrity. Um, mm -hmm. That's not in our culture. We will always be there um, challenging for, for titles. That's a fact. Um, mm -hmm. That's the way we work. That's the way we are. And we're not afraid to say, you know, we, we want to win. Not enough people do that. We want to win. Um, and I think that's, that's something that we'll look to do this year and alter what happened last year in the final. That's great. And before I, I, I pass it to Chris, um, you, 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 you were speaking about uh, new signings. And yeah. I want to ask you because I, I'm from Peru and yeah. this is a, a huge prospect, uh, Jair Cordova. Can you tell me about it? Like how is he blending with the team and everything? Uh, do you know what? He, he arrived, and this is the unlucky nature for the lad. He arrived on the 13th, which was the day that uh, we cut all kind of training. So the mm -hmm. poor lad has been in, in his house the whole Whoa. time. I've met it's, Honestly, he couldn't <laughs> write it. I mean, he doesn't speak a word of English. Luckily, we've got um, a Peruvian coach that's been kind of looking after him and, and making sure, you know, he's not lonely, which is... <laughs> a big thing for a young 20-year-old yeah. coming over to Canada when it was snowing. But he seems a great lad. I've met him twice. Um, he seems happy, smiley. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't speak Spanish. He doesn't speak English. So that's kind of <laughs> as far as the relationship goes. But yeah. I think he's going to be a good player. That's I mean, I think, I'll, I'll, I'll teach you. I'll teach yeah. you all the records and Peruvian slang after, <laughs> so so you can tell him on the pitch. You know, like oh, dude. But he's, honestly, I think he's. Uh, I think he's going to be one of the top strikers in the league, and he's good. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> go for it, Chris. You were talking about 2016 to 2018. How that failure in 2016 kind of, you know, you bridged that to 2018. Finally, got over the hump. I know you want to make it happen this year quickly, but is having a lot of the guys that kind of came over from Foothills, does having those guys that were on the Foothills that you now have on Cavalry kind of help accelerate that desire? Uh, yeah, it, it helps for sure. I think, you know, certainly with your Elijahs, your Dominic Tatours, your Pasquatties, um, players that we, you know, I've been playing with since 2015. And, you know, I think the culture and the spine has been there since then. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's helped to a certain extent. Um, you know, we all know what we want from the game. We all have the same end goal. Um, yeah. and we're very team orientated where, you know, I think that's why we've had some success. Um, so there's a hunger from a lot of the boys. Uh, you know, we don't accept, you know, you know players coming in and not being along the same goal as us. So we are very team orientated. Um, so I think it's helped for us and, like I say, this year we want to we want to close the door on, on some things that happened last year as quick as we can. If it's not this year, it'll be next year. We will be there, and I have full confidence we'll we'll win it at some point. Yeah, I mean, you guys have made some fantastic signings. I mean, we were talking about that on one of my one of the groups I'm in online, and, and for a team that 
seems like it's full. Like you guys just seem to have already that, that nucleus, that chemistry, you guys have added some pieces that makes you twice as dangerous in some forms, especially if a couple of those guys, like you were just talking about Cordoba, if, if he slips into this team into the first 11 and takes over, you guys are running away with it again. So the chip on your shoulder, I think it might be something to kind of keep you guys honest a little bit. Hundred percent, it does. It keeps us, you know, hungry for the for the next stage, and and that's going to be that's going to be this season, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and last question, kind of connected to the foothills. I know we've kind of moved on from that, but one of the popular conversations out here in Halifax is how the Wanderers don't really have a direct club link, and it's kind of hard to find pure, genuine information online with how the Cavalry Foothills link works. And you're a coach, so you would have a lot more insight to the behind the scenes stuff. How does that link? work is it official or do you guys just kind of have like a gentleman's agreement where you're working to bring players into both the usl team as well as cavalry for the exceptional players yeah i think you know it, it's it's unofficial to a certain extent um but we from 16 and above we have the you know the the field house our indoor 11 v 11 field where players can play 11 v 11 all year round which is crucial at that age yeah. um, unfortunately other clubs in Calgary don't have that. So at 15, 16 years of age, our players are playing against university teams and, and things like that, men's teams. So it gets their development kind of accelerated. Um, so they're ready for their next phases. Um, but it is it is unofficial as such. Um, but if you're a good player at 15, 16, you know, I'll have my, my footballs hat on. I believe you should be with us. Um, that, that's my opinion. If you want to get to certain levels in the game, um, Obviously, Whitecaps still have a system here, so yeah. some players do go across to, to Vancouver. But with Cavalry and even Edmonton up, up north, you've got two professional teams in your own province now where at 14-15, there's a choice now. You don't have to move away from Calgary, right? Whereas in the past, players have had to move. Uh, Nick Ledger would be an example. Um, yeah. you know, now you can stay within your own province. So an Arab in Peppel at 17, 18, can get 40, maybe 50 professional games under his belt. And then if he, you know, c continues to progress, then perhaps he can go into a, a bigger league as, as, as such. Um, you played with uh, Mason Trafford last year, uh, Joel Water. I don't know, like, if you partnered with these guys particularly. Yeah. Um, but when you're playing center back, what's a role that you're looking for to be alongside you to make you feel comfortable? I think you, you, you've got a you've got to have a, have a strong relationship. Um, you've got to, you know, think similar. You've got to know each other's strengths and weaknesses. Um, I'm lucky, like I said, I've played with Zach since 2015. So we know each other's game. Uh, so we, we, we've got a great relationship. Joel's a very good player, as we know. So if I was partnered with Joel, we know each other's strengths and weaknesses. Um, he's more, he's just as comfortable being in midfield as he is at the back. And then with Mason, I think being a left footer, he kind of balances us. So we were able to play out either on the right-hand side or the left-hand side. And he's a vastly experienced player. And I think myself and Mason, we, we, we see the game very similar. Um, so whoever I'm partnered with, uh, we have a great understanding. And with Marco in goal, we'd always have that strong triangle, which in any game, whether it's MLS or, or the CPL, the games that we played, we had a massive chance in the game because we knew we had a strong base. And that was actually led perfectly into my next question. Having We just had Nico on the show there a couple of days ago, and Marco is just the model example of a goalkeeper. How important is that? And I mean, it sounds like a cliche question, but I, I love to 
actually hear from a center back experiences in the past where a relationship with the keeper has maybe taken the entire team to a next level. So how does your relationship work with those two? And, and uh, yeah, just kind of, uh, Mark, Marco's great. He's uh, he's stone faced in any situation. You saw the penalty in the CBL yeah. final. Doesn't it? it doesn't matter if we're five 0 up and or it's a pressure situation, penalty shootout. Marco's got that temperament where you know top goalies do. Top goalie, yeah. but honestly, he's a top goalie. Great, great lad off the field. He's a professional in what he does. Um, but he just has, and I always say it, the temperament of goalies. He, he He's just stone-faced. He's a communicator. He's not a shouter and screamer. He's a communicator, um, and he just keeps himself nice and calm. And and Nico's, you know, the same. He, he, you don't feel stressed with either of them in goal. Nico made, you know, some great saves when he yes, came in. He was patient. He took his opportunities when he when he did come in, and never let anyone down. Um, and and again, he, he's so funny off the field. He, he's one of the funniest in the locker room, and and someone that you want to draw to and be around as much as you can because he just absorbs energy and he, he honestly he's one of the funniest on the team yeah I was been <laughs> ranting to these guys over the last couple of days how that was probably my favorite interview so far that we've done we've done I don't know how many together Anthony Carlos a dozen I know you guys have done more than me um but the that personality that he has, man, I'm sure that it literally bleeds through the locker room. Another guy whose personality I really respected before I hand it back to Anthony, um, Dominic Zator. And I'm glad that we didn't talk about him in the last question. Um, one of my favorite players to watch last year. Um, and I, like I was just actually saying to Nico on the last show, he's a guy who takes his time after games to talk to fans, um, people who respect him. What's it like working with him? Oh, he's great. I've known him since he was 16, 17, right? Coming through foothills at the time. Um, so, you know, he, again, he's another one that's, I think he's developed a, a competitive edge since yeah. being in the, the PDL environment. Um, I don't think you'd mind me saying that. I think he's got more, a bit more savvy about him now, which has kind of completed him as a defender. He was always athletically strong, good with the ball, because he used to, I don't know if he told you, he used to be a winger. He actually did because he did. He play right back once or twice last year, and he looked natural at it. If I'm yeah, not mistaken, I think he got in the Canada. I don't, don't quote me on it. I think yeah. getting into the Canada squad, they saw him as a right back because they only had Richie Larea there. That makes sense. He, he had got injured. I think Zach was coming on as a right back. So as a wide player, he was he was always a winger coming through, and I think it was. Um, Kevin Francis, who's a, who's a former player in England, he, he was a coach at Foothills at the time, and he put him at centre-back. And he hasn't, he hasn't looked back. And whatever level he's played at, he's one of those players that, you know, he just he finds it comfortable and easy. And I think athletically, he's off the charts, honestly. Whether it's yo-yo test, he could have about 10 points and still win the yo-yo test. It's frightening how, how good he is in terms of his running. <laughs> honestly, but I'm not, he's an animal. He's an animal. And in the gym, running, whatever it is, sprint tests, he's always the best. We were talking uh, to – sorry, I thought we'd just twist the knife in a little bit more about last year because we haven't done that enough to you. Uh, so, so we were talking to um, an old uh, teammate of uh, Mason's, uh, Richie Ryan. He played for the Fury there during the day. And he said the only thing he dislikes about North America is the, the playoff system. Um, obviously, after losing the final last year, like how, how, how do you feel about the playoff system? As a fan, you know, it's exciting. I, I wouldn't ever watch basketball or any other sport like that if it wasn't for playoffs. So 
I get it. it's part of the culture here. Um, I'm not a fan because, you know, being, being from Europe, you're brought up with the best team wins the league, right? Um, so to have a slog of 28 games and, and go to places like Halifax and win it late on, you deserve something from 28 games, in my opinion. Otherwise, we, we could have just gone and won the, the spring season after 10 games and then gone and had the lads holiday and just played the kid, kids <laughs> for 18 games, right, and been rested. And if, if we had that sort of culture, we could have done it. Um, so luckily, we keep ourselves internally hungry. We want to win everything that we're in. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of it. I think you can have a cup competition that generates a final and, and exciting. Um, but I do, I'll stress it massively. The best team in the league has to at least be recognised, not, oh, they lost the final and that's it. It's two games. Yeah. We had a player sent off after 30 minutes in one of them. Mm -hmm. It could have been 3-0 the first leg because of that red card, right? Yep. And that's our season over from 45 minutes. So, yeah, disappointed. Uh, I, I'm not a huge fan as a player, but love it as a fan. So it's a tough one. I guess like the, the MLS has the supporter shield. So do you think they should do something along those lines that the best team in the MLS before the playoffs gets a trophy? So do you think they should do the same thing here? Yeah, absolutely. You should get, so, yeah, you should get something, not nothing. Not, I don't think we got anything, literally nothing. And then, you know, that that's what kind of bugged a lot of the players. Because um, again, we say it, we travel and there's so much put into the actual league season. And, and, and then a week at the end of the season is all you get judged on. I think that was the, the disappointing aspect. And, and we won both the spring and the fall. It wasn't like we didn't win one of them. And, you know, I've heard others say, oh, such and such were resting players and this, that. No, they won't. We were the best team over spring and fall. That's a fact. And, and just not to get anything really was a little bit hurtful, really. And, and, and that, you know, we're, we're going to take that into this year. So I heard a rumour that you guys actually thought the, the, the Shale thing was really ugly. And that's why you didn't want to win it. Is that true? Well, we've got, we, you know, we've got it with the microwave place, right? Um, <laughs> we've got one in our houses, so we weren't too fast by it. <laughs> yeah, so we threw it in. <laughs> So there's like a big coffee stain on it. Uh, so can I can I actually ask a follow up question to that a little bit? Yeah. With the with the expanded playoff system, and, and I mean Anthony was just bringing up the supporter shield. Do you think it would be a, a good alternative for the team that finishes top to get the berth in the Concacaf League as sort of maybe some substance for the full body of work in case you guys don't win the league? Yeah, something. I mean. This year, yeah. CONCACAF was based on three teams. We, we, we didn't even get a chance to go for that. It was, like, it was one of the weirdest concepts oh, I think I've ever seen in players, my entire it? life. Yeah, yeah. You, you're in. So, you know, to, like I say, to, to not have any, any reward for 28 games is, is yeah. almost mind-boggling. So, yeah, anything, even if it was a CONCACAF, anything yeah. would have been nice. That's, that's, it's just been one of the alternatives I've thrown out there. And, and when we were just talking to um, – who were we talking to that didn't like the – oh, Richie, yeah. Um, talking to Richie about the USL format. Um, it was kind of one of the things I thought about too with the USL for those clubs trying to get to that next level, be it with revenue or reputation, to have whatever the USL championship represents, be it a CONCACAF league place or, or – just into some sort of qualifying round, just a little something to show for it. Because in the USL last year, um, it was two fourth place teams that played for the championship. So it's the same kind of issue. And 
I, I, I just threw that out there because I kind of wanted to hear a player's perspective because a lot of fans kind of threw the, the idea back at me that it was good. Um, it, it seems like the best way to get the best of both worlds as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah and it is. And, and as a fan, you've got to love the, the playoffs in any sport, right? That's, that's part of being yeah. here. And even if it was top team won the league and gets the reward, even if it was second against third for the CONCACAF, kind of, you know, place. I think that would generate yeah. excitement. Yeah. Um, but we, we had no excuse. We knew the rules. We, we knew it going into the season. Um, we just like to see it altered where even if it was Forge that won the spring and fall last year and we won the playoff. Yeah. And, you know, you've got to respect them for winning the, winning the league. Um, and that's what we won. We won the league. Um, and, yeah. and that's what we feel just didn't get warranted or, you know, we didn't get anything for it. And it also related to Chris's um, in regards to forum, it's uh, the Canadian Championship. Uh, can you tell us more? Like you guys beat uh, the White Cups. Uh, I think it was Jordan Brown uh, with assists of Ledgerwood, like his score a screamer one. Uh, can you tell us more about that? Like that that feeling of playing the Canadian Championship, almost making it to 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 the finals and everything. Yeah, it was. Uh, we we were excited. I think we knew we could get White Caps quite early on. Um, So we played Pacific and then we had Forge in the, in the home and away and we actually rotated the team a little bit in, in, in those games and we got the win, um, which, which kind of set up. So straight away, as soon as that final whistle went against Forge, there was a, there was a smile on people's faces because it felt real. These were the games that we wanted to be in. And um, we actually should have won at home. Uh, so we got into the locker room and we were a little bit disappointed as much as it felt good that we got a result. Um, but we felt nil-nil. We didn't concede, which is always a, gives you half a chance going into a, an away leg and, yeah, and things like that. But we felt we, we probably should have gone there with a one-nil lead. Um, so going into the Whitecaps game, I remember we we had unit meetings um, and, and Tommy had to make some, some tough decisions in terms of his selection. And um, honestly, as, as a group, we couldn't have wrote it any better because we all talked about if we score early, because they were under pressure at that time. And if we scored early, they would need two goals. And like I said earlier, our defensive work, and that's from you know mm -hmm. Jordan Brown all the way back through, we were so confident in it. We were so, mm -hmm. Whoever we were up against, we were so confident. Um, but when the goal went in, and it was an unbelievable goal, like with his left foot, yeah. the way he's hit it, I was right behind it, which was perfect. Yeah. It was just like the energy got sucked out of the stadium. Um, and you could... Just see in, in 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 terms of the white caps, the loss of confidence, um, mm -hmm. and we were comfortable for most of the game. They got their goal and yeah. one one. You're always oh here we go. They're going to have a spell here, which we fully expect them to at home. And and with mm -hmm. the Dominic Zator to score the winner and 20 minutes left. And honestly, it was one of the the coolest experiences as a player. One of my favourite games as a player. Uh, mm -hmm. To win it was, was was brilliant, and we got another chance at another MLS club. And, in yeah. Montreal who, who we, we took to the wire again and we were very happy and if it wasn't for a Piatti masterclass um, we would have got a result in Montreal Yeah um, I know you kind of mentioned uh, Joel earlier on we talked to, we talked to him there a couple of weeks ago just about his move and stuff like that but it'd be kind of cool to get your guys' perspective on it so what was the buzz like around the squad when it was kind of coming the announcement was coming through that he was going to be moving to the impact It's, it's exciting, not just for the squad, for for young players as well. And, and Joel's been one of them where he's been overlooked at times. Um, I don't ever think he was in the Whitecaps system being a Vancouver boy. Um, 
so we had to kind of move out of his home for to kind of get a chance in the game and and, and he always had the ability always had the ability um, you know first time I saw him he technically was outstanding uh, great passing range um, reminded me a bit because he was in midfield at the time reminded me a bit of a, a Michael Carrick type player being English um, and then he, he slotted in at centre-back with no problems because our PDL season that we won, Dominic Tatore picked up an injury in pre-season, so was missing for the first four games. So Joel played alongside myself. And at first I was like, OK, he's a centre-mid. He might need a, a little bit of time to understand. And But there was no problem. And um, from then on, you could see he was a player. And being so young, uh, you know, he was, he's always got a chance. So when he did get the move, it's exciting for people, right? Now the young generation coming up and, and seeing Borges getting it signed and himself and Estevez at York going on to, to, to clubs. It's brilliant for the league and, and it creates a buzz for a lot of the players around the, around the, uh, the country, I would say. Is there anybody else in your squad that you think is ready to make that jump? Oh, there's a few. I mean, you know, Zach would be one of them in terms of potentially getting a move. Certainly, Marco Carducci. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think there's many better Canadian keepers, in my opinion. Um, you know, I think he's as good at as Cripo, if not better. Um, you know, Cripo's a good goalkeeper, but I think Marco can go uh, right to the top um, and, and can challenge for that Canadian number one spot once uh, Borjan retires. Um, but then you've got young players again. Elijah's got time on his on his side and. And players like that, Victor Latouris, Arabins that are coming through, if they get a good run in the team, I think age is important. If you know a lot of clubs, they look at the age uh, and look at Borges and Estevez both being young. So if they want the big moves, I think they're good enough. Um, now they just got to get into Cavalry's team and and get a good run of games and and kind of go from there. So are, are the rumours of you moving to the Galaxy true? Do you know what? They, they couldn't offer me a lot of money, right? My brother paid me too much. Oh, man. I couldn't do it. You're Even though gonna, the lifestyle would have been great, but... You're not going to bankrupt another club, are you? <laughs> <laughs> mercenary. I'm known as the mercenary. <laughs> uh, there's a loyalty to you guys. You didn't have much turnover. Obviously, success-wise, success you guys were incredible. Um, what's the draw to play for Cavalry FC? I think... Uh, Tommy would be one of them, brother or not, right? He, he generates the success around him. Um, I think just as a club, I think it's a wonderful club. And, that, you know, the way it's been built, great ownership, great facilities, great team. Um, I think that's the draw and a chance to live in, in Western Canada. There's a lot of Europeans that would kill for this sort of opportunity. And there's a lot of hungry footballers in Canada that are killing for this opportunity. So... Um, I think there's a massive draw in terms of, you know, you get your all-round package here. You'll have a great lifestyle. It's a great club and you, you've got a great coach and staff as well with Nashi and, and Leon as well. So, I think it's a massive draw for players. That's awesome. Yeah, like I said, the all the guys returning, it, it did kind of catch me off guard because with the success you guys had last year, I thought a lot of the guys were going to end up moving, not saying bigger and better places, but to the next stage in their career. So, I thought it was really good for the league that a lot of you guys returned and that the, the, like I said, that core of the team is still there. So I'm looking forward to seeing you guys play hopefully in a couple of weeks, man. Hopefully we're ready. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Yo, this is more, uh, I wanted to ask you uh, about, uh, do you have suits like your brother? Do you have a suit oh. collection? You know, cause Tommy has like that outfit, like a GQ man, you know? 
I think I think you've got to get to that level, and I can't be wearing suits like that coaching under twenty games, right? I, you know, people will be thinking, "What's going on here?" <laughs> <laughs> hey, Michael Jordan was the first uh, pioneer of uh, basketball players to show up to to the games in suits. So yep. why not you in the CPL? You know? Well, no, we have we have to dress well. Be you know, coming <laughs> to Spruce, we have to dress well for home games anyway. So. Mm -hmm. A lot of the lads got kind of slated last year for turning up in, in ripped jeans. So they were, we had a good fine system. Um, so we had to educate a couple of the young lads in particular. Okay. I won't name names. There were a couple of terrible dresses coming in. So they, they got some stick. Um, so we dressed, we dressed smart for home games. I mean, yeah. Tommy takes it to another level with his uh, Mark Darcy is his style. Okay. Um, yeah. Mark nice. Darcy with the... The, the two pieces, and, yeah, and the vest and everything. So you see yourself when you become a coach, like wearing suits too, or you 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 feel like more comfy with track pants and just like hats. Or well, what do you what do you wear now? Well, I, I like, <laughs> Are you a track suit kind of guy, or I can't be wearing suits at you, you know youth soccer or under twenty games. That that's out the window. So right now I've only ever wore track suits. So yeah. like the you know I see myself as an active coach. I think it would be tough to wear a suit, but however. He can evolve, right? And and Tommy, in <laughs> fairness to him, he does look stylish. Your 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 brother's an absolute gem to this league. I like I'm, I I will talk about your brother first season. Just his sideline. Like I said, it's like having a 12th man on the field, and and that energy is is it. it we're away fans, and we see and feel your brother's energy on the other side of the stand. So it's yeah. He's 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 been such a joy to watch for sure, and. Um, I see your cut from the same cloth, so hopefully. So, uh, cut <laughs> <laughs> from the same tailored suit. Um, <laughs> so, um, just just one more kind of quick one, just to kind of bring your energy down and make you feel a little bit sad. Um, so, what, what what was the what was the the atmosphere like in the dressing room after the final, and what did Tommy? Because obviously he's used to being successful, but. What did he do to the – what was his speech like when, to the gate to you guys in the, the dressing room after the, the loss, like to get you back up and put some energy back into the team? No, no, he didn't say a lot. And there's not much you can say after a, after a defeat like that. There's not – you could say what – I could say, if you've lost a game, I could say what I want here. You're not taking it in, right? It's the end of the season. So um, he always refers it as you need a day to bleed. Um You know, and I've known him in the past where we might have lost a game and some of the lads quite, you know, we, we laugh about it now, but, you know, he might not talk to you for 24 hours. Um, you know, he'll always shake your hand and, he, he you know, in the, in the morning at breakfast, things like that, but he always refers to it as a day to bleed and then a day to build. So I think he'd give us, you know, one of them, it was a, it was a thank you for the season, right? Because there was a lot of, we couldn't, To do better, we got to the semi-final of the Canadian Cup, right? To do better would have been the final, which would have been unheard of for the, the CPL. Um, was to win the final two games because we won everything else. Um, and we, were the, we had the best record in terms of wins and things like that. So we couldn't have actually done much better. Um, so it was a thank you for the season. Needed a little bit time to bleed. Um, and then it's building again. And, and once he's in the building mode, there's, there, there's no stopping him. And... and He's one of the hardest workers that I know, and I know he's my brother, but he's one of the hardest workers that I know and, and surrounds himself with, with, with those types of people. So he's been building for a long time now um, because it's been so long and 
we, we, he's just ready for, for the next game. Amazing. So uh, to that point, your brother, you said he surrounds himself with people. Who are some of the other staff, um, both at Cavalry and at Foothills, that really pushes you as a player? Some of the names that we might not know, like your brother. Um, well, I think, like I say, his, his second in command is Martin Nash. And we know what he's done for the Canadian game as a player and as a coach. And he just thinks different. Um, he's, a, he's, he's a great um, one-on-one type of person in terms of conversations with you. When he actually joins in training, he's one of the best players. Um, he's oh. still got the ability when he, when he joins in. Um, so he's been great for him. I think they, they balance each other as well. And then, uh, you know, Leon Hapgood, who, who's always, you know, we actually played together at Torquay United, myself and Leon. Um, okay. And he's been here since 2008. So that kind of reconnected the Wieldens and Leon. Um, and he's been Tommy's number two with Foothills and helped build where Foothills is at. Um, now he's essentially my boss, but assists with Cavalry, uh, you know. So he he's uh, one of the most energetic coaches you can come across. The lads love him. Um, and again, he's another one that when he joins in in training, he's an attacker. Um, he always likes to show off and let the lads know he's still got it. So I think Tommy surrounds himself with those type of people that you want to be around. Um, and that's why it's been successful. And then obviously Jordan Santiago, which Nico might have talked about. Yeah, a couple uh, of times. <laughs> a couple of times. He, he's, he's, he's just, he makes people accountable. He's, he's very funny. Um, but, you know, he'll say it how it is. So if someone's out of line, he'll say it how it is. And he'll say it how it is in front of people and make you feel about that small. So especially with the, he kind of, he's one of them that keeps the young lads in line, um, especially this day and age. So Jordan's great to have around and another one that works his ass off. Um, so he's, he's a great guy. Yeah, that's, that's, that's wonderful. Cause like I say to people in all sports, assistant coaches, backroom staff, they don't really get the love and attention they deserve, but watching this league grow from season one, I mean, we're, only hopefully about to start season two soon but seeing a lot of those stories not really get to be told it was something that I really took from the first year and that's why I had to ask because with the success you guys had last year it always starts from the top down and for your brother to have that network below him above you guys but from what you just said among you guys I think that's a really really important reason as to why you guys were successful last year yeah, and they're all winners as well. Martin, as you know, as a player, won a lot. As a coach, yeah. he was successful. And Leon's the same, right? He's now got the USL team, and he was a big part of when we won it in 2018 and got to the final in 2016. They're winners, right? And I think that's uh, that's people you want to be around. Um, we, they don't accept average. We, we're never going to be average. Uh, that's, that's a fact. It just won't be accepted. So um, you want to be around those types of people, and that's what, Tommy wants and, and and that's why you know they've got that success just I wanted to ask you what are your top three players in your position in the world yeah Ooh, Ramos would be first and foremost over the years that he's done um, I that's think good interview is over yeah I think he's uh, for what he's won and uh, he's just got a bit of everything Ramos I mean yeah the only the only criticism he's an asshole yeah, but no, I. You would love to have him in your team, man. Come on. He's still an asshole, though. He does, he does get sent off a little bit too much. That would be my only criticism, <laughs> but he's, he's the best. And then I'm an Everton fan, but you've got to say right now it's, it's Virgil van Dijk. Um, mm -hmm. He just finds the game too easy. 
it's very easy for him and uh, you know there's nothing you can um yeah i don't think he gets tested he just strolls through games um so he would be up there and then um it was vincent company he was <laughs> someone that I, I loved at man city the way he played and i think him leaving i know he was on the back of the end of his career but i don't think they filled that void um with his leadership so that's why man city haven't been as strong this year and i I think a big reason is Vincent Kampany. If you're going to play in a five-a-side tournament and you can only have players that you've played alongside, who would you pick to be in your team? Played alongside? Um, you see him cross his arms? <laughs> <laughs> you know he's thinking when he crosses his arms. That is a tough one. Um, I, honestly, uh, I think Marco's got to be in there. Um, Marco Carducci. Uh, great goalkeeper. Uh, uh, there's not been many better. Um, so he, he'd be my goalkeeper. I'd go defenders. Do you ever remember Terebo West? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. West. Hair, right? yeah. yeah. I was lucky enough. I was 16, 17, and I played with him for Plymouth Reserves. And he, wow. he was about, I don't That's know, he was old. He was older. Cool. He was older. Yes. And he would just, he had no knees. He had no knees at that age. Like he couldn't run, he had no pace, but his ability was frightening. Um, he would he would be in it, Terebo West with that, hands down. Uh, midfielders, I played with some good ones. Cool. Uh, just trying to think. Gilfie Sigurdsson at Reading. I had a trial with Reading, so Gilfie Sigurdsson would be in there. Holy shit, man! Wow, yeah. uh, I have a I have a buddy who is like his biggest fan. He's been like that's gloating that he should be on Manchester United right now. Like he, that's Tot- Tottenham. Re- <laughs> he's Tottenham. gonna love to hear this. He's a Tottenham reject. Tottenham reject, but he was uh, he was outstanding even back then because yeah. he's the same age group as me. And I had a trial at Reading when I was about sixteen, um, and he was in there. And then probably on the left hand side would be a guy called George Friend. Currently, he still plays in the Championship now. I think he's at Middlesbrough. He was okay. captain. He would be in there. And then a striker, you may not have heard of him. Uh, he's a guy, Paul Taylor. He was at Peterborough and uh, Stevenage and Bradford. But in terms of ability, he was in Belgium with me. In terms of ability, like he was phenomenal. Like You couldn't get near him in training. The goals he'd score. Um, he actually got signed by Anderlecht. If you research him, he's a funny one. Um, so he was with us and got signed by Anderlecht in the first division, but never quite cracked it there and ended up playing a lot in League One and the Championship in England. But on ability, he was on another level, honestly. He's like wow. a really tight player. There's so many players like that, though, that just kind of fall at that final hurdle of just making it into the big time, really, isn't it? It's, it's kind of kind of. Uh, he was phenomenal, honestly. Great player. Um, he'd win your games just like that. He had that Rooney type you know, from nothing into something. And he was kind of a floater as a number nine. He wouldn't just stand up there. But honestly, on ability, frightening. Never seen it. Never seen anything like it in training, some of the stuff he would do. Um, what's the food you miss the most from back home? Roast. Roast dinner. It's got to be, in it? Roast dinner. Yeah. Roast uh, dinner. It's not the same over here. Definitely not. Definitely not. Gotta miss it. Um, so, <laughs> uh, your favourite boots that you've ever had? Uh, Addy Pures. Do you remember Addy Pures? Don't. Let me they were like, like a, you remember I them? Yeah, I do. Chris yeah. Remers. They were like a cross between Copers and Preds. They were like the in between. Yeah. So I think Tony Cruz still wears them. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're they were always, the, always the white ones. Yeah. yeah. 
the white ones. They were my favorite growing up. Always get them. And the uh, favorite kit you've ever worn as a player? Oh, as a player or just? As a player. Well, you can give us both. Uh, Fashion yeah. sense. I mean, your brother's got it. So, I mean, what kit do you really like to wear? But, yeah, like like Anthony said, that you that you wore in a game. Well, I used to have, because you saw the one of me and Gaza the other day, but I used to have his, uh, his Lazio shirt. Oh, um, sweet. As a kid, growing up, I'd wear that a lot, Lazio, because he was my favorite player. But as a player, I did like the Torquay yellow one. I love the Cavalry one now, actually, last season's. But I did like the Torquay United yellow one that I wore. You're not a fan of the cavalry one? No, it's 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 all right, I suppose. Last year's was nice. Last year's was nice. That was I'm, not, I'm honestly, I'll, I'll say, I'll say it right to you, brother. I'm not a fan of this year's. Our one. Sorry. Well, I haven't got chance to wear it yet. I've only seen it once. Yeah, you're not going to be impressed. It's it's no Halifax Wanderers or Pacific's one is really nice. <laughs> <laughs> so got the Volkswagen logo, man. I almost dropped my mic. I almost dropped my brand new mic. You got to stop this, Anthony. <laughs> Pre-game meal and post-game meal. What's something you like to snack on when you wake up before a game and what do you do after a game? Um, before a game, I do like I do like my pasta and salad. Um, so when we go away, a lot of the times we'll have that anyway. Um, so we can put requests in. I actually don't like to eat that much, weirdly enough. Um, I always like a cliff bar like before any game. I used to have awful habits when I was younger. I'd have to have like an energy drink. And I don't do that anymore. I think that was just a mental thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, I like a cliff bar and a banana before the game. And then kind of after, you just indulge, don't you? You, you eat stuff that you, you don't normally eat. Um, when you go to the, the bar after the game, there's, there's, there's some fried food up there or things like that. And you like to indulge a little bit because you feel you've earned it. Do you have a pregame song that you listen to? Something to get you hype? Or is there something that the locker room played or was there a song that kind of was the anthem of last season for you guys? We didn't, we didn't really have an anthem. Um, I'm quite a, a, I like DJs. So I, I like having my, my club music on um, okay. before a game. So, you know, I like to have that. Um, but in terms of actual anthems, we, we had one before a game that we had to do. Um, I can't remember it is. I think win, Nico, Nico win, said it was uh, win, win, win by J-Rock. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah. one, yeah, win. Um, so we had that on before. No, that that's the soundbite, Anthony. That's the, that's the soundbite. That's the soundbite. Jay saying win, 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 win. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to organize like a Zoom call where you all like sing a line each. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that had to be played. Like no matter what, like before um, the final speeches, that had to be played. That was like a... That was our ritual as such, um, no matter what. And we've done that since 2018, um, start of the oh, season. Okay. So by us winning, uh, by us, a lot of the players that we're Cavalry, we've kept that tradition of having that song on before we go out onto the field. And That's um, yeah, we'll probably do it this year as well. Yeah, I'm a big, nice. big, big TDE fan. So like when Nico said that the other day, the, the, the song just kept going through my head, like win, yeah. win, 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 win. That's it. Fuck everything one. else. Like, I was just like, oh, man, I could only imagine being in that locker room before yeah. a game, getting that hype. That kind of answers the superstition question, which is my last question. Um, but from a personal standpoint, is there anything you did as a youth or anything that you still do now before a game 
uh, socks one on the other? Like, is there any kind of superstition that gets you in the mode? Um, I've always got to be, and you might notice it when we walk out, I've always got to be first or last. So when we walk out the locker room and then we walk out onto the field, and me and Dominic Malonga had the same sort of superstition. I heard this on Reddit, actually. Keep going. Sorry, brother. Yeah, so we'd always rotate because that we, we're both quite older players. Um, so, uh, you know, we'd be respectful to each other in that sense. Uh, but I've been the captain a lot of the time as a younger player in Belgium. And then when I did the PDL at first, I was captain. So if I'm not first, then I'll have to walk out last. And it's always t- kind of been my superstition since I was about 15, 16 years of age. And I've just kept it. Um, I don't know why. Uh, it's just kind of a mindset thing. And I feel like if I'm not, then something might go wrong. Did you uh, walk out last or first in the, the final? <laughs> yeah. Anthony, Anthony, Anthony. <laughs> Actually, I can't remember. I'm going to look back because if it was last, because I didn't start the first game because I was coming back from injury. Yeah. I'm going to look back um, and if I was last, then that's what, if I I wasn't last, then that's why. Because it would be me or Malonga and whoever's turn it was. There you go, buddy. So it's all all his fault. (laughs) (laughs) We've left now, so we can blame him. I actually have one more question, Anthony, if I can. Yeah, fire away, man. I heard that superstition, that whole like pregame thing actually on Reddit earlier um, last season. You're a fan favorite, and, and from what I understand, you've been a fan favorite since you were a Foothills player. What is it about your game that resonates with the fans? Um, the people that I speak to just for like the – I defend first, right? I'm not always one that will catch the eye, but I mean, if you look at what I'm on the field to do, um, you know, and we, we have a good unit, but if you look at – seasons that have gone by we don't concede a lot of goals right and I think they like, like the fact that I'm brave I can be a bit nasty sometimes which gets the crowd going um, <laughs> I'm, I'm quite good with my words uh, so I'm not afraid to, to get in amongst it and I think the crowd like that um, you know and I, the people that I speak to appreciate that type of attitude going into the game I may not always be the one that people will go to in, in terms of analysis he does this and that but I'll do my job, what I'm there for and what I'm paid to do. And, you know, the crowd appreciate it. If you're losing again, then that might change. But, you know, we've been successful for yeah. four or five years now. And, uh, you know, we certain players have been there since day one. So you're always going to have that relationship with them. That's why you like Sergio Ramos. We've had two Cavalry players on already, and I don't know how I haven't asked this. Uh, what is it like playing with Jose Escalante? Because I always laugh that he is the Brad Marchand of the Canadian Premier League, that everybody hates him but you want him on your team. Does he bring that same kind of, and I'm not trying to be rude, that energy to training? Because I love him on the field, but I hate him on the field too. So, like, I just want to know from your perspective, being his teammate, Anthony, you don't have to keep this on the show. I just kind of want to know because we've let two Cavalry players go by and I haven't had to ask about Jose because he's one of my favorites, one of my favorites. That's oh, brilliant. He, he brings all sorts to, to our team. He can play in a couple of positions. So he, he is someone that you want on your team when, when you're in the trenches and he wins your fouls when you're under pressure. He winds people up. Um, you know, and if you, you see him in certain games, he has done some great, important plays for us. Um, but he's a great lad and you, yeah. you want to be around him. He's another one. He, he, his English is actually getting really good. So he's... He's integrating more with, with the English speakers because um, when he first moved, it was broken. Uh, but he's, he's putting the effort to try and learn it. And I'd almost say he's, he's, he's fluent now. Um, and he loves, 
he's one of them players that absorbs getting the stick from the from the supporters. So he, he loves taking that <laughs> on his shoulders. Tell. Yeah, doesn't care. <laughs> so yeah, I um, just want to say thanks, Jay, for hanging out with us. Um, I know you had like loads of stuff to do, so we really appreciate you uh, taking time out from all that stuff to come talk to us about football and stuff. Um, we'll make sure to be super nice to you when the next time you're in Halifax. Um, <laughs> like, hey, you can be as horrible as you want. I don't mind. It. <laughs> Give it to uh, me. Other players are fine. Give it to me. It's fine. We'll, we'll meet you for a beer down in Nelly's and uh, we'll, we'll set you up with a, with a Guinness. Um, so, yeah, man. Uh, thanks so much for hanging out and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Thanks, buddy. You've been listening to the Down the Pub podcast. I've been your host, Anthony Abbott. Just want to say thanks to Jay, Carlos, and Chris for hanging out and chatting footy with us. Thank you to all our listeners. Your support really does mean a lot to us. If you fancy a Down the Pub phone case or T-shirt or even some coasters, ooh, head to our shop tab at downthepub.ca. You can follow us and chat to us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next time, cheers. You've been listening to the Down the Pub podcast, recorded in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.